What is it? Hi, I'm Lisa Carter. I'm Jeff Carter. Hi, I'm Melissa Field. <laughs> and I'm Brian Field. <laughs> We're just four broken people. Trying to help broken people. By exposing <laughs> ourselves. <Yo> mama. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want us <laughs> exposing ourselves. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> By exposing. What Talking mar- about what marriage really is. Or exposing what marriage really is. That's what it is. By exposing what? What Just exposing, not by exposing. Right? Or just for, yeah, exposing what marriage really is. Okay. By removing all the filters. Yeah, he says by, not you. All right, I'm ready now. Okay. Let's do our (laughs) intro. And take two. (laughs) Are we recording? Yeah. Oh, dear Gussie. (laughs) I did not know. (laughs) Hey, everybody. My name is Lisa Carter. Hey, I'm Jeff Carter. Hey, I'm Alyssa Field. And I'm Brian Field. <laughs> We're just four broken people. Trying to help broken people. Exposing what marriage really is. By removing all the filters. Good job. Hey. <laughs> all right. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. We're so glad you guys are here. I want to talk a little bit about this this project. Project. <laughs> I want to talk about the podcast a little bit, um, really fast. This week, I think we'll hit one thousand downloads. What? Wow. What? Which is exciting. Um, that's not just how many people have listened; it's how many times people have downloaded the episode, which means they they've subscribed. So that's awesome. Thank you guys for being faithful and listening to us and giving us our boost of confidence that what we're saying isn't complete garbage <laughs> all the time. <laughs> or if you are using it as garbage for your own podcast, then thanks. <laughs> and you're super tech savvy because I don't think I've ever downloaded a podcast. I just listened. To yeah, we, yeah, I don't think I wouldn't be able to tell you if I have downloaded or not. So y'all are way cooler than us. Yeah. Way to be t- way to be techie. Way to be cool. Mm hmm. Yeah, and we're in, um, I think, seven different countries. The second most um, downloaded, no more? Oh, no, no. Oh, I thought you were shaking your head. Second most downloaded country is Germany, and I have a feeling I know who that listener is, but I might be wrong, but Hannah, if it's you, shout out to give, Hannah. give a shout out to you. We miss you so, so much, so give us, um, drop us an email or um, hit us up on social media so that we know if it's you. If it's not, hey, take a listen. Um, of course, she can't hear this. If you're not listening, that's true. <laughs> I wish but, I could say something in German. Talk to that. Talk to that other person in Germany that's downloading it. And, and yeah, whoever you are in Germany, <laughs> go find, find Hannah. Find Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> no, let us know who. You, that's an uncommon name in Germany, right? That's a good. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. She's there on mission work. Okay, um, so what's yeah, going, let's t- let's talk about life. Life. What's going on this week? Um, apparently I need to mind my P's and Q's because it's captivating week. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. So Alyssa and I lead, um, a group of women twice a year on a, a women's retreat. And this, this weekend we are planning on going on, um, our fifth one. I have no idea. Fourth one. <laughs> I don't remember from but one to the next. Us and 70 other people are going to be heading down um, on this retreat this weekend, as long as God holds the weather back so that we don't face any ice. 
So y'all join us in uh, prayer over that. Of course, by the time you hear this, it'll be Thursday and we will have our answer, I feel like. But you can still pray that if we make it down there, the skies break open and the sun shines and we have a great weekend. Is yes. It, is the front moving southeast? Mm, I'm sure we don't know don't that know. information. <laughs> we'll consult a weatherman. There, there's yes. a picture of a cloud with water <laughs> and yes. underneath it looks like ice. Yes, that Jeff. That looks ominous. That sounds right. Ominous. That was ominous. one of Brody's vocab words this week. Um, but I will say, Lisa is being a little humble. She actually handles everything. And me and how many others? There's seven of us, six of us. Total leaders. Yeah. Lost count. Yeah. So we just, <laughs> we support Lisa, but she does all the... Actually, she doesn't do all the heavy lifting. I followed her around today. Just yeah, picked no, up no. everything that she needed, and she just walked in front of me. I'm really good at being the assistant. It's a lot of fun. I was going to say I don't make decisions. Yeah. Alyssa's being a little humble herself because yeah. no. she does a. Bunch. She's way underpaid. Yeah, she's paid free. Pro I'm, I'm going to give you a one million percent raise. Thank you. Here's a penny. Yeah. No, but she's really, really great for me to be able to process things because she'll be honest when she doesn't think something will work, but she's not negative or critical. So it's the perfect combination or she just does what I say. Yeah. So maybe that's, I was it. like, usually I just look at you and go, oh, sounds good. All right, let's do that. Do not. You're good. It's good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's how I feel. It's fine. Yeah. So we're excited. It's a, yeah. it's a lot of work, but um, we have a great support system at our homes. And so that really helps a lot. And that is what basically is consuming my life right now. Yes. And so, yes, do mind your P's and Q's. Jeffrey. I will mm -hmm. try. Well, anytime you, you do it. a trip like this, you're going to run into hurdles and, and the enemy is going to try to thwart anything and everything. Yes. So just being on guard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How about you guys? So captivating, you oh, know, and we got Solcon this weekend. We do. That's the men's group that meets at our house the second Saturday of every month. So if you're a dude and you're local, come on down. Just send yeah. us a message and we'll give you the address. The Unless more, more the merrier. Yeah. It's the first Saturday this month, though. You're doing it the first Saturday? Oh, it is. Oh. Ooh. Psych. Oh man! See how well we see how well we know from day to day what's happening. We are we are so organized. You guys can still get together. I in fact encourage it. No, we will. I think that yeah. I mean, I already, already, sent, already sent yeah. the text. Did you really? Week, oh, did you? This morning. Yeah, it's not till the twelfth. Whoopsie Daisy. It'll be a lot of work. What happened? Yeah, pull it back. Okay. Well, now that we we have affirmed that we are screwing up a lot of things, <laughs> <laughs> keep listening to our hot mess selves. Selves. <laughs> um, what is going on? So we are still looking for a house. And uh, that's... Put fine. in an offer and now we're just waiting. Mm -hmm. So hopefully something will shake loose. No, anyway, it's been a good week. Um, just a lot going on. And yeah, so it's... But it, it's kind of, it feels like a whirlwind. But how are you doing, Brian? I'm good. Good. Yeah. feel like I'm in a good spot. Things are busy, but happy to be here. <laughs> I'm happy Look here. Look at that. That's great. So I'm super excited. We're going to do a two-part series on bitterness and forgiveness. And so I think it'll be fun to dive into that a little bit. And I went back and looked at some notes from... 
like 2014. Nice. I went way back. Mm. Um, but we also pulled our re-engage books because um, that talks about some stuff. And so I feel like we're going to kind of be talking through our stories, but also some things that we've either written down in the past or some things that we've referred to, Bible passages and things like that. So I'm really excited to dive into this um, because a lot of things happen in our life that we don't realize. We don't we don't really put a lot of emphasis in thinking it's no big deal. But when you step back and I look at my life and the decisions that I've made and the thoughts that I've taken captive that are lies, they play a big part into um, the outcome of certain situations. Yeah. So um, I guess really fast that one of the definitions that helps me the very most about what, what bitterness is is um, I've heard it said that bitterness is unforgiveness fermented. And so to dig deeper into that, I heard this really neat analogy where um, it's like having garbage, old spoiled garbage in your house, and you just kind of let it collect, which is funny because we always talk about trash that collects amongst this group. (laughs) But if you let it collect, it gets spoiled and stinky. You kind of stop noticing the smell, and a friend will come over and go, that really stinks. So sometimes your friends will notice that it's getting funky and that's how bitterness is. When you let it set and ferment, you stop recognizing that you even have the bitterness. And so you don't, you're just living with it and everybody else around you is noticing it and going, man, that really stinks. So that's why you got to take bitterness out daily, take the trash out daily before it starts getting rotten so that you keep it, keep your house fresh. No more trash, Jenga. That's a good analogy. Yeah. That's I thought good. That was really that's good. Real good. And it's true that other people that you're walking life with can see that as well, because that's how it was with Brian and I. For everyone else, I had patience and love, but for him, I didn't. And so it was obvious to anyone I talked to that I had bitterness in my heart towards Brian. Yeah. This is probably one of the ones that I was, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say excited to talk about, but um, I think that it is the core of most of our issues when we were struggling in our marriage mm. is just that bitterness and unforgiveness and how, how you were like, like you were talking, Lisa, it festers over time. And so I just kind of took some notes down and wrote some scripture. And, um, this goes along with what you were saying. Um, Hebrews twelve fifteen says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Um, if you have a bitter root, it affects others, whether you see it or not. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I, I was trying to figure it out as far as bitterness, and I don't know... if I'm holding stuff back, but I don't, I guess if I have, if I, what I could tell right now is if I have any bitterness, it's like towards myself for the gambling and, and all of that stuff and just, just falling short and pornography or, or just whatever. And, and, you know, so it's a self hatred type of bitterness. I don't really feel bitterness towards Lisa or, the kids or um i can't and and so i don't know but then i don't know if i'm just like pushing it down my parents are really good at you know sweeping things under the rug and 
So maybe I've got that innate ability in me. It's funny that you say that because everything you just said, I said to Alyssa in the car before on the way over here. Oh, really? But it's like, I think that, you know, and I wrote this down too. It said, you know, each incident of bitterness begins with hurt. So I think that those wounds that we have fester over time and it's manifested in different ways. But bitterness and hatred or anger is a product of that internal wound that you don't heal properly. Right. So we were talking about that earlier too. And I obviously, well, not obviously for people that don't know, but I have, you know, anger issues. Why does this thing keep cutting in and out? It won't be that way when it's hurt. Okay. Because um, yeah, we were talking about it earlier and, and you know, I, I definitely have anger issues. I don't know if people are listening. <laughs> You just got mad at your microphone. I have anger issues. Why is this thing freaking cutting out? Anyway, I don't know if you know this about me, but I have anger issues. <laughs> and now he's mad at you for no. calling him out. No, that's awesome. Oh, Sorry. I didn't want to lose my train of thought. And Sorry. It went away. Um, that was my fault. I'm no, that's okay. You have anger issues. I was desperately issues. trying to hold, it on, hold on to it. Um. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I have anger issues and... Lisa was commenting that, you know, anger generally comes from something, you know, uh, something of bitterness inside you. I forgot how you put it, but bitterness produces angry fruit or what did you say? Yeah, a bitter root produces bad fruit. Yeah. Is another fruit, good which quote. One of the bad fruits could be anger. Is anger. One of the bad fruits is anger. And so, yeah. So self-discovery, you know, I'll I'll fall into the category of people that are listening that maybe haven't fully been able to reveal what their bitterness is. Um, I'm angry at a lot of people, I guess, but, but bitterness, I don't, I don't like, so what's the difference between anger and I, I see bitterness as like holding judgment and resentment, a grudge, a grudge against people. Whereas angry, I could be angry that Brian pissed me off and then I move on. You know, but I'm not bitter over it. Well, remember, next week. anger in itself isn't a sin. Acting That's on right. that anger That's is true. a sin. And if you think about the way Joe does his analogy with bitterness, is like you're trying to hold the beach ball underwater, right. and so you don't even recognize really that you're trying to hold something in, and then it when you it finally slips out of your hands, it splashes everybody within a certain radius. And so when your anger turns into action. I feel like there's something that's been held in that it splashes out right. and, and gets all over everybody. And so that's something to... I'll say when I get angry, I'm angry at myself because I'm an idiot for doing this or doing that or being stupid. I have I have high standards of myself and I don't have a lot of patience with myself. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, I remember getting mad over the last two or three weeks. I've broken a couple things over the last two or three weeks and it's because of my stupidity one way or another my what i'm my judgmental stupidity i mean you might i might tell you what it was and you're like that's not stupid baby you just you just didn't think right yeah but i'll look at myself being stupid but we internalize that stuff and we start hating ourselves or getting mad at ourselves and then that's when we start making agreements and then that's when like Lisa said, it spews onto everybody around us and so i know that when i was struggling in our marriage like that anger was manifested towards Alyssa and the kids to the point where they were scared of me. 
like they didn't want to be around me. Um, Alyssa had to protect the kids from me, not physically, but just sure emotionally. It's, yeah, getting mad over spilled milk kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and that happened. So God changed Brian's heart five years ago. So before that, I was kind of looking through my journal from like 2014. And it was, um, I I thought that Brian and I were on the same page. I mean, to start out, that's kind of where we were is um, I married a man who loved Jesus and this was going to work out. And, um, you know, it's kind of, it's that naive, naive, Naivete. That that word, um, that you get married and it just works out. And so I felt like in the beginning, and please jump in anytime for commentary here, but I felt like we were on the same page. He was going to, you know, going to church and, and being active in whatever I wanted to get involved in. So Bible studies, we, we co-led or led Bible studies. Um, and then I felt like as time went on, that became less and less. The desire for Brian became less and less. And the more I pressed into my own Bible studies or my own revelations, it, it seemed to drive him away even more. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I think it goes back to what Jeff was saying is, you know, you had this intimacy and walk with the Lord that I was just basically pretending in to appease you, but I knew that that was something that I desired and I wanted, but I didn't have. And so going back to bitterness, I was a little bitter towards you in that regard is like, why does she have it and I I don't? And then that's when the agreements come in and I start feeling like a failure. And I'm like, well, if I'll never, if I, if I'm not going to get to that point, why even try? And it was just this, um, spirit of resignation. And I think for me, I look back and I see how this started to manifest for me was I deserve. And so what I would do is the idea is I would feel like I deserve more in this marriage so therefore the enemy gets in there and he starts feeding me lies that things are never going to change I married the wrong man all of these things that become truth in my mind start sowing seeds of bitterness for me so um, then I start guarding my heart I start defending myself um and then we're like, I don't know how I got to this point. And, I, and then I'm like, yes, I do. When I look back, it's because I had the mindset that I deserve. I deserve a man who loves Jesus and pursues Jesus on his own. And you're not that man. And so as that just began to fester, we just started. Well, we got on the crazy train that we talked about last week is mm-hmm. because because of that, she was not being respectful to me. And in return, I was not being loving to her. So not to beat a dead horse, but yeah, that was the crazy cycle that we got on. Yeah. And it really, it's true. And then it's, nobody's going to get off because he's so angry and, and mad and I'm so hurt that I'm, then I'm like, I have no expectations of you. I don't care what you do. I don't need you. I'll be better off on my own and I'm better without you around the kids and I have to protect the kids from you. And so you can see how all this stuff just starts piling on and those little seeds of bitterness have now grown into deep rooted trees in my heart and in my head. And it's like those things were truth to me. 
And so that's what's kind of crazy about it. It's like, how do you fix that? How do you uproot those? How do you uproot those? So honestly, it is, I mean, I mean, I clear as day. I remember calling my cousin and just going, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I married the wrong man. It got to the point where he went, he didn't want to go to church with us anymore. He isolated himself um, from everyone. Um, just be, why? Why would you say you did that? Because I, going back to self-hate is like, I feel like I was letting everyone down. And so it's easy, you know, caring about, caring so much about what people thought. Well, the best way to avoid that is just not being around people. Mm. And so I isolated and that's exactly where the enemy wanted me. Yeah. And I compartmentalized because I was like, oh, I have love and patience and respect for everyone else except Brian because he did these things to me and he's making me this person I don't want to be. And so it's crazy how the enemy um, per, like used Brian to think that he was causing all of this, but it was individually our brokenness and then for me it was that self-protection you're not going to hurt me anymore you're not going to do this I don't have I don't need anything from you and so anyway all of that transpired to um you know complete another utter like I at that point so five years ago I was waiting for him to have an affair and he was waiting on me to file um yeah so one of the things that I found really interesting is that when he said that I had heard that on a podcast and the guy said bitter roots produce rotten fruit. And so I started thinking of the fruits of the spirit and the fruits of the flesh. And, um, you know, we learn about those things in Galatians and, you know, you think about when you have bitterness, you may not recognize that you have it because you've been sitting in that stinky trash, but are people around you starting to notice these actions? And the Bible says that these are things that, um, are fruits of the spirit. And when you are starting to produce these things and you're, then you're planting good seeds and you're replacing those bitter roots with good things. But you know, there, most of us have heard them all of our lives, but not everybody has, but love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So if we're not exhibiting those fruits, then the fruits of the flesh override and that splashes out in the bitterness from the bitterness because it's just rotten fruit that you're producing. And um, so these are also from Galatians. There's the fruit of the flesh. Right. And that's um, immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, disputes, dissensions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things such as these. So basically anything that is negative in your life. It's a fruit of the flesh if it's not a fruit of the spirit. And yeah, like, Alyssa, what you're saying as far as the um, I deserve, that's, I mean, that's one of those things that kind of comes from jealousy, really, where we think we deserve something that everybody else has or other people have or pride. Yeah, I think that's true. I base my decisions on what I see, what I want, and what I think I deserve. And in addition to that, I think for me, it was um, the negative. I mean, obviously, Galatians 5.19 talks about the acts of the flesh. But for me, it manifested in being disrespectful to Brian. It manifested in withdrawing from him. I wouldn't, I just wouldn't engage. I would just completely build a wall and not even address issues. 
I was selfish. I was prideful. I took control of the situation and wouldn't let Brian have any say over our kids or I wouldn't, again, I was so disrespectful. It held no merit to me. So that's kind of how it played out in my life um, in the way I acted out in flesh. Um, For me personally, uh, you know, I've mentioned it several times, gambling has been an issue really our whole marriage and off and on. Won't give the whole details of it. Um, But that's caused me to obviously lie, uh, to hide money, um, uh, set up different bank accounts that she didn't know about. Or I should say account, not accounts. (laughs) It was just one, I promise. (laughs) Um, But uh, it all came to really a a good culmination in 2010, but then divorce was discussed in 2014. And um, really the marriage ministry at our church and um, a couple trips that we did really helped put me on the right path. But um, through that whole process, again, I just go back to the, the self-hate, the hiding, um, really needing to leave, lead two separate lives. Um, gambling was pretty encompassing. Um, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars, um, tens of thousands of dollars back and forth one way or another. And, it, you know, it was a full-time job sometimes if I were doing well or not doing well. <clears throat> and, you know, so trying to figure out how to hide the money, blah, blah, blah. But uh, a bunch of self-hate through that whole process. And and I just said that just to the effect, what it was in my mind was when I did finally confess just absolutely everything. Um, and pornography's in there as well, but um, it, it is definitely gambling. When I wake up in the morning, if I'm in a bad spot, I'm thinking about what games are on today. And that's sort of the first ploy to get me to think about gambling. I don't really think too much um, about pornography. The addiction is gambling. But anyway, um, but the the relief when I confessed everything in 2014 and to be able to pretty much say bye to that other job just freed up so much in me. I guess I'm jumping around. No, it's great. Um, the the beat down, the cycle of shame that I would go through and depressions in my life a little bit too. So, um, Satan's able to use both gambling and depression as a really nice cocktail, I guess (laughs) a cocktail of death. (laughs) Mm. Um, now that I'm in a good place, I can joke about it, but yeah, it's, it, uh, suicide was discussed in the past with myself back in 2010 and uh it was it's a dark place I've, I've had a dark place and 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 so maybe that you know I feel like I'm not fully healed still and maybe that's part of it is it, s- such a huge thing was maybe quickly uprooted or something I don't know and it's got to grow back and 
you know, it's got to grow back healthy or you got to uproot that little piece again. I don't know, but uh, sort of, I guess that's a decent analogy. Hmm. Yeah, so that that whole process drove me to a place of, you know, the back and forth where most of the times it would come out because I caught him through one thing or another or he had lost so much money that he had to tell me because then we had to sell things or we'd lose a house or whatever. Um, and so what that did was lead to mistrust, which led to a gigantic bitter root because I was, I like Alyssa said, I felt like I deserved, why didn't I deserve a good godly man? I thought I was doing everything right. Um, and so I thought, shouldn't I deserve a guy who was also straightforward and honest with me and wasn't risking our livelihoods on financial gain, you know, and, um, I know where, I know where the truth lies in all of that now, but at the time it did cause a lot of anger and it's really, really crazy for me to do discover, um, for me to discover exactly where the bitterness goes because I still think I struggle, um, the trust has regrown over the years. It's not perfect, but for many years, I, I mean, just just the need to control, like Alyssa said, just the need to know what he's doing on his phone, know where he's going at all hours, know where our money is going. And some of that came from initially a good intention of being accountable, but then, you know, it caused even more fights when I would constantly ask him and he would get defensive and, um, and so there's been many years where, you know, in the next episode, we're going to talk about forgiveness and how I got to that place. But ultimately the answer to bitterness is forgiveness. And, um, I forgave Jeff. And what's crazy for me now is the way I see bitterness surface is honestly against other people who weren't there to hold him accountable when they should have. Um, you know, there was his parents in his life that weren't holding him accountable when they needed to or friends who weren't or people who just weren't fighting the fight to guide him in the right direction. And so I have bitterness and I'm holding on to it quite honestly towards some people because I'm just, I, I, with Jeff, I've seen the actions and the change. And with these people, they don't seem to understand the weight of what that did to our marriage. This is Jeff's fault. Yes. But he's taken ownership and he's making changes and, I just, I see the bitterness against some of these other people or what's really crazy is people who judge him for that. When he came forward in front of the church and admitted all of this in a video um, or to friends that we've admitted with the people we knew were our good friends stuck and we had good friends. We thought were good friends and they bailed and they judge him for these decisions. And so I hold bitterness toward them because I'm like, dude, look at me. I'm married to him. What did he do to you? You can't be bitter. You can't be um, holding grudges against him. And so, you know, my bitterness, it comes out in control and, um, passive aggressive comments, Mm. you know, but, um, jealousy for sure. I see jealousy in marriages where they haven't struggled so much financially, you know, or they haven't had as many giant distrust issues as I've had. And, um, I don't know that's true. You know, I don't even know that the financial part's true. Everybody, like we've said on this podcast before, everybody puts up a great front, but I know the truth there. I know how to dig all of that out, but it still roots its ugly head. It still festers in there. And I find 
stinky garbage hiding places that Mm -hmm. I didn't realize were there. That's good. So much truth. Mm. It's not easy. And I think that's a good point. You know, I love that you brought that up about other people as well. It's not just about Jeff, but in that process, you've brought other people into that feeling of, of bitterness towards them because they didn't respond a certain way that you would have appreciated then. So I think it's true. And not only just, you know, and that's kind of interesting, a thought for me, it's like, who have I, because of our situation, who have I been bitter to and not really dealt with it? It stems beyond just our spouses, especially if we're in, if we're living those lies out as truths. It can be deceptive to a lot of people. Good thing we became friends. That's right. Because we're all a hot mess, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I do love the, the friendships that, that are the most authentic, aren't judgmental for the decisions that we've made, um, but they will also hold us accountable when we know that we're making those decisions or making mistakes. And it's a, it unfortunately is a much finer line than I ever realized, but you know, true authentic friendships will offer grace and forgiveness, but also truth and a challenge when you're, and that's what the Bible says we have to do. Yeah. And to me, they're so much easier because there's no hiding and it's like, this is me. Take it or leave it. I don't really care. You know? So that's, I, I honestly think, especially being 41 years old, it is, these relationships are so much easier because it's either get real and get authentic or we'll just be acquaintances. And that's what I tell Ella all the time. I'm like, girl, you're just, you're stuck with these people. You have to be friends with the people at your school and stuff like that. And But you will get older and you will be able to find friends that love you for you and there's not any facade there. And that's freedom. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a flip side to that coin too. I was just sort of thought was rattling through my head. I feel that like, and I totally agree with your attitude when it comes to friends, when you, when the filters down, when I personally get to the, I feel I've gotten to, and I'm still working through it, but I've gotten to a nice stage in my life where I don't care what other people think I've been through the hell and Mm -hmm. it is what it is. And people are going to fall on my side or fall on the other side. And I'm not going to hold them to it. I'm not, I'm not worried about that because they've got their own journey, but it is so freeing and it's so much easier to have really good friends in this stage where I'm at. And it's sort of like, I was just thinking, it's like, well, yeah, you know, God talking to me. Well, yeah, Jeff, if you would just let me handle some things, I mm. promise your load will be so much easier. Don't worry about yourself. I got you. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what other people think. I've got you, you know, and I was just, just that thought came to my head that, and a myriad of things, finances for me is it's just a huge issue. And that's the first thing I went to is like, God is saying, Jeff, let me please, I promise I've got it on the backside. Please let me take care of that. <laughs> And let me take care of your friends. But yeah, but I think having those friends that are not healthy also um, prevents you from walking out of that. And it's like a, it's like a a hiding ability to hide um, when you keep not, not, I have no idea who your friends were, 
but keeping those friends around. You do know a couple. What? Shut up. We're not talking about. <laughs> but like, but continuing to go, that's my comfort and that's my safe zone. Um, and then hiding behind those group of friends and not walking out, um, you know, walking out of bitterness or these terrible situations that we've been in. That's yeah, cool. Yeah, you tell yourself it's easier to stay in the friendships where you have to play along, but I I come away from some conversations or engagements where I am exhausted from just trying to keep up the pretense and I'm not trying to be fake. I'm just trying to keep up at their level. And they don't know it. They're not bad people. It just it is exhausting. And it's funny because I do find myself so bitter in those situations where I just know they're not being real with me. So I think I'm a little bitter toward people who don't want to be real with me because yes. I feel like I deserve friends who, who are real. And if you're not being real with me, then you on some level must not truly like me because you feel like you have to pretend to be somebody. And so then what's the point? But I think also the other side of that is there is um, jealousy. Yeah. It's jealousy that you can be, you can show up and not wear any makeup and just be yourself and they have, because of their insecurities, have to put on a facade. And so it's crazy how all this spins where you're looking at them and they're looking at you wishing they could walk out in authenticity. And they, they can't because they're chained by so many things that the world, the, the, their people around them could never know or it would be the end of all ends. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. It, there's freedom on this side to walk that out. And be be able to be real, even though we go through stuff constantly. It's it really it really sets us free. Um, something else that just came to mind is we're talking about maybe good friends and bad friends, and you know each person has their own walk and needs to you know have counsel with God and 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 good good people that can guide them in what they need. But maybe there are friends that you have that aren't in a good place, you don't necessarily need to drop them because they're not in a good place. You just need to know what that relationship is. And God can redeem so many things. And, and for what we were just talking about, I sort of joked that, that Alyssa knew a couple friends from the past, but there was one um, she doesn't know. And maybe two years ago, we're sitting in church and this video comes up. And this friend, he would he wouldn't mind sharing me sharing his name, but I'm not going to. So the video of you about talking it. about gambling? No. Oh, no, nope. just some video. Yep. Gotcha. No, this guy comes on and he starts sharing his story, and I'm like, dude, this guy is a fraud. I know that guy. He is a womanizer. Mm-hmm. He is an alcoholic. Uh uh-uh. uh. Now, what is he doing up on on Sunday? And you go talk to him afterwards, and his life has completely changed. And I'm got goosebumps right now thinking about that. And just the, the redemption that, you know, and we live in such a stupid culture right now that if, if Brian and I agree on 29 or 30 things, that one thing's not going to, mm-hmm. is going to keep us from being friends, which is just stupid. Mm-hmm. It's the dumbest stuff we live with today. Um, but, but I, I, I don't even know where I was going with that, but just the redemption of God and being able to walk with people that you don't agree with. Um, and I'm not talking politics or anything. I'm talking morals and and and, and all of that. The what's going to happen in five years? You have no idea. And it's so cool to see stuff like that happen. Yeah, and then you're 
honestly, what you need to do is remember you have to draw boundaries in those friendships. And that's what's what I've had a hard with hard time with because I get sucked into they need me to still be their friend because I know that God still can use this friendship. And I do know that. But if I don't draw boundaries, I come away hurt from the friendship and still very bitter. Um, And you do know that God can redeem lives and you can be that person on the other side for sure. Um, So you have to be really careful not to judge somebody when you see them sharing their story because you've been there and, you know, you kind of go, maybe God did change their heart. And God forbid somebody said that about you. Like, oh, I know Jeff and he can't be redeemed. And so be careful. But that's that's their fault. I, I wonder, <laughs> were you such a good poser that nobody knew, or what do you think, Brian? Yeah, really. Uh-huh. I, I was. See, just... I mean, you had me <clears throat> fooled until it started getting towards the end. Well, when when was... you when you live that life for so long, it becomes who you are. You know. So what? Explain what you're what you mean. When you live what life? When you live a life of not being real and constantly putting on a face for the people around you it just becomes that becomes your personality so are you saying like you were walking out a christian life is that what you're saying like you were you were i was um, i mean i was playing a christian okay i could act like one i grew up in church i knew how to play christian and so i knew that was an expectation you had um you wanted a man that that was a leader and so I did those things. I sat in front of a group and talked to other people about what they should do. But behind closed doors, I wasn't, I wasn't that person. I was putting on a show. Mm. And so I got really good at it. And, you know, and, and going back to what Jeff said, it's that redemption of complete change. Like I will never say somebody can't change right. yeah. because God could do anything. He did it in my heart. He did it in yours. And so that redemption is sweet, but yeah, I mean, getting away from that is so much, there's so much freedom and you can experience true joy, not fake joy. Yep. Yeah. Lest all of this be piled on you guys, you know, the, what I became was I, I became a hardened, bitter woman and God got a hold of us before that became too set in stone, but you do hear those stories. I mean, you hear of these women who struggle through divorce or mistreatment in a marriage and they come out just so angry and so bitter that they no longer trust men and they mistreat men in their lives or their own kids out of whatever's happened to them. And and men do it too. We become angry. We become the fruits of the flesh to everybody around us. We're the stinky garbage. And what exteriorly maybe we're beautiful people but we're so bitter and angry that nobody comes close to us you know I had a really good conversation with our oldest daughter Lexi um last night and um man it was a really good conversation but she was saying when you know she at about age 17 kind of you know she's a great kid so for me to say this was her twisting off period it's really, I'm thankful that this is as bad as it got, but she and I started butting heads and Jeff would say, it's because she's soiling the nest. That's what mothers and daughters do. And she kind of did up until probably six months ago. And really in just the last couple of weeks, even she's made these big steps toward to where like I would have something going on in my life. And she just was like, yeah, that's your thing, but it's not my thing. And that's fine. 
But all of a sudden she's signed up for this women's retreat and she's come and had really good conversations with me and she listens to our podcast. Hi, Lexi. <laughs> um, but what she said to me was those years she had heard Jeff shared his story with her when she, when he, she was 18. When um, you went to her and Jeff has gone to the girls and shared this, his no, story and asked forgiveness from them. I think it was a little later than that even because Sam, I shared it with Sam on junior trip. So those they were relatively close to each other. Yeah, you other. shared it with Lexi before that. Right, but not too much before, not years before. Yeah, but she said when she first heard it, she was disappointed and upset, but that was it. And she's recognizing now that she went to a therapist in college, and as she started unpacking it is when she started becoming a lot more hurt and angry toward you. But for all of those years, she was angry at me. And it was because she saw, she didn't understand the, the, the depth of what was happening. And she saw I was just being oh wow. I didn't know that. rude to dad. I was being controlling. I always wanted to know why he was on his phone. So I have a witness. I never trusted him with money. And so she just thought I was the bad guy because she never saw what was happening underneath everything. And so you even see what my bitterness, I, I was a tyrant sometimes when it came to control in the house. To where if towels weren't folded a certain way, I would get mad. Which is, I think of myself, that's not me at all. It just makes me so mad that I became that person. Because I so desperately wanted control over what I did want, could, could have control over. And it was destroying my family. It was destroying my kids. And so if you want to ask what bitterness does, that's what it does. It splashes. That beach ball was giant. It was splashing all over the people I care the very most about. And so it was a really great conversation that I had with her and her heart has changed in such a beautiful way. And our relationship, I think is as close as it's ever been just really, really recently. And it's, um, I really thank God for that because I treasure her so much. And that's awesome. Um, I just think that's a good example of, yeah, you guys made mistakes, but I became a total bear at our house. Oh, I did the same thing. I mean, and then that was kind of goes back to, he, I was blaming him for things he didn't even know, like leaving stuff all over the house or doing things. I'm like, he did that on purpose just to make my life miserable. <laughs> and it's like, he didn't have a clue. I mean, and so there was no communication. And so I was the same way. I was angry towards him. And then I felt like, you know, I, I just was, I was, I was a bear too. But it, and I think that, um, for me, it, it just stemmed from pride and no one's going to hurt me. And, that mentality is so toxic. I was just going to do, we, you know, soiling the nest is when uh, generally when boys sort of are coming of age and are ready to leave the house, either college or job or military or whatever, and, and ladies the same thing, a lot of times the same sex will sort of slightly turn on the other. And so boys will sort of, turn on their dad a little bit and daughters will turn on their mom a little bit. It, it's not, it's not perfect. You know, there's a bell curve if we've heard that in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but so they'll start just having attitude and they start thinking that they've got it figured out. And, and people that have had kids that have gone through this stage know exactly what I'm talking about. Those that haven't, when this does happen, what they're trying to do is understand what the world is and they have an idea in their head of what it is and you are not going to be able to tell them what it is. <laughs> you just need to love them and let them experience it. Yeah. It is very hard. I'm not saying just let it go, but just know um, you, you'll, you'll get into it and Satan's going to be like, man, 
that kid's going to hate me for the rest of my life. And that's just not true. They are just trying to figure out life and they're about to be on their own and are scared in the end. Yeah. And they're trying to prove their independence. They want to prove that you did that's a good right. job. That's, a, and, yeah, that's another good side of it. And yeah. so you need to see it that way and go, and, and you have to just give them grace and love them through it because I promise working it way, that way, it was not easy all the time, but doing that has brought her to where she, she never thought she'd move home to Midland. And now she's mm-hmm. like singing yeah, right. its praises. She that's loves right. that we're close by, you know, especially these last couple of weeks. And um, we're glad that we're really close and we're thankful for that. But we will do a few episodes about parenting. I think it'd be really fun to uh, dig into that, cool. but thank you for clarifying that. That was good. I really sold the nest. So oh, sorry. that's right. You did. Sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Goodness. You're, you're still trying to clean that up. Yeah. I think, too. <laughs> they are too. I'm sure. Um, something did another thought that just came to mind is when, when I hurt Lisa or, or Lisa hurts me, and we get to a position of bitterness and we get into a position and Brian's talked about, and I've talked about a position of isolation. You know, we'll, we'll speak round and round about this, but isolation is exactly what Satan wants for you to be in. And one of the byproducts that relates to this session on bitterness is your truth. And when you're not talking to anybody and you're coming up with your own agreements and your own truth, and no one's there to, validate or expunge any thoughts, um, you can start coming up with all of the stuff you want. And my wife is a bleep and will never change. And I am on this on my own. Why am I here? And you can't get any, there's not going to be any truth spoken to you. And so you can come up with whatever you want. You can come up with the, with the good answer you know what? My wife is a B, but I'm going to love her anyways. And I'm going to love her for the rest of my life. You can do that too. That'd be yeah, great. Yeah, that doesn't happen but when that, you're on your own. Yeah, that generally doesn't <laughs> happen. Not going to happen. Right. Because Satan has some pretty decent power in him and yep. some good demons. But um, mm-hmm. so when you are isolated, it, it's a hard, it's a hard pill, but man and women, you, you have to know that you are loved by people. You're loved by us four here, and we don't even know you. Um, Unless you're Hannah, we know you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Love you, Hannah. Um, but you can please reach out. I mean, I know we've talked about emailing us or something. You can email email us, and there is no judgment whatsoever. You can email us once. We have a meal and realize that, all four of us are just crazy and aren't going to be able to help you. And that's fine. At least you tried. But this loneliness is going to create a lot of fake truths in your life that, um, man, that's true. And as men, it's not natural for us to have strong relationships with other men. And, but it is something that we have to have. We have to have that community of guys to, you know, smack you in the mouth when you're acting like an idiot and pull you out of your self-pity and shame. Um, so if, if you're a guy that is self-isolated like I was, like Jeff said, you've got to get into a, a community of men that will speak truth into your life, not these idiots that want to take you out to the strip clubs or take you out to get drunk and tell you, tell you how bad you have it. You got to have a guy that'll come along, walk beside you, lock shields, and say, "Let's do this together." 
That's so good. Yeah, that reminds me of all the all the the Bible studies I tried to get you to go to all the books that were bought for you, all the things, and it did not help. And I could say something, but I didn't, of course, because I was so mad at you, didn't like you, hated you, actually wanted you to die. But anyway, um, it had to come from. (laughs) Alyssa has anger issues too. It had to come from a man in order for Brian to go, huh? Okay, and and receive that over him. It was so foreign to me. I never had any man speak truth into my life. Yeah, you want to say what happened? I mean, it's like like some guy didn't just come on the sh- come off the street and say, <laughs> "Hey, Brian." Someone holding up a sign. <laughs> yeah, like in a movie. I mean, do y'all want to get into that or? We yeah, can- we want to talk about how to get out of bitterness. So yeah, so we were um, we were done. I mean, that you asked me, I was like, I'm done. I I can't stand this guy. Um, and so, but I, but thankfully I was walking with other women. I was doing Bible studies and I knew that this ickiness inside of me, this darkness that I had for Brian obviously was not from the Lord and wasn't healthy. So it was kind of this hard struggle of like, he doesn't deserve it. And I deserve this. And it was a fight. But at the end of the day, for me, it was walking out in obedience I've said this before. I went to Brian and told him I was sorry for being disrespectful. But in my head, I'm like, how is this going to change anything tomorrow? Nothing's going to change. I've tried everything, you know, and it just wasn't working. He's not going to listen. But I, in that moment, I just felt like God called me to walk in obedience in that. So that's the one step I took. And then I said, after that, I said, we need to go to counseling. I set up a marriage session with Joe at the church and he went bananas. Because going back to what I struggled with is like, I didn't care what Alyssa thought, but I cared about what everybody else thought because I was living this fake life. And I didn't want people to know that I was a poser and that we were having issues. So when she said that we were going to marriage counseling, that meant people are going to know that we're broken. And so I got really upset, but by the grace of God ended up going anyways and Joe, Joe Russo was uh, the guy that sat us down, and he told me in that session, he said, Brian, you're not a bad guy. It's just the enemy has his foot on your throat and is keeping you from experiencing the life that God has intended you to have. And I never heard that before. You know, one, that I was a good guy mm-hmm. or a good man. And two, that there was an enemy out there that was trying to destroy me. You know, growing up in church, I we, you know, we never talked about the enemy or spiritual warfare or anything like that. So it was foreign to me. And so he got my attention and then he followed that up by, and in a couple of weeks we have a men's retreat and I think you need to go on that. And I was like, no way. And so God was, God was faithful and opening my heart at that moment. And I ended up going and it, God used it to completely change my life. Yeah, Brian's, and so that's sort of cool, sort of a yin and yang in our relationships. Brian's was a lot more abrupt as far as his change and the truth that he saw. Um, for me, it was it was a little bit more of a process. And so even when I referenced that 2014 trip that we took, when we had some real truth spoken to us, I was still hiding money in, in this other bank account. But we had a lot of truth, and I still had to unpack all of that when we got back. And so my analogy for how I have grown out of this, and and I really hope that 
this speaks to men is, you know, a good friend um, gave an analogy of two degrees and just shifting your life. And that's something that's something that I think I think is accurate. And I want to bring up a point I want to bring up is, you know, what we're talking about here is is a whole bunch of little tiny choices. Um, infidelity, infidelity doesn't just happen. There are tiny little choices that lead to it. Me hiding and lying and, and keeping things from my wife doesn't just come up with a single decision. It's these tiny little choices that happen over time. And that's the, the road to my recovery was sort of the same way of just making these tiny little choices, this two degrees. And so if you can just, you know, imagine a ship going straight and then you put another ship that's even with it, that's going at a two degree direction off of it, you know, so for all you nautical people, one that's going at zero degrees and one is going at two degrees or 358 degrees, you know, and you look at seven years, they do that for seven years, how far apart they are, you know, it it just takes those little steps and the little two degrees. And that's sort of been my walk and, and it's ongoing. It's still making those and everybody's got to make little choices, but making those little conscious choices to keep myself from falling back into an addiction to, to gambling. One thing that I, that's just stirring in my head that I find very interesting is Brian and don't let me speak for you, but he, he now says that he was not a believer before um, he went on that men's retreat. So he was not a Christ follower. He was a poser. He was doing all the right things. Jeff, you were a Christian and you were following the Lord, but Satan got you and entrapped you in sin where then that was where the bondage was for you. And it's very interesting to see these two play out of how God uses, you know, how God works. And maybe that's why your transformation was the way it was. And I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just interesting how we're married to wise men who hear the truth and go, ah, yes, I want to, I want to follow the Lord and I want to make, you know, you get out of that and you still struggle. We still struggle with sin as Christ followers every day, but it's, it's allowing the spirit to lead us instead of the flesh leading us now. So that's interesting how. Well, I think um, one of the things that, you know, listeners may go, well, of course, Lisa and Alyssa are no longer bitter. Their husbands have turned around their lives and they no longer live in those places. <laughs> I'm not here to say they haven't. What I'm what I am here to say is we had to choose to fight bitterness before they made changes. And so it is a little bit of God's grace where we chose. I mean, Alyssa went to her husband and said, I forgive you. Or no, no, I I apologize. Would you forgive me? Mm -hmm. And I went to my husband and said, I forgive you. And those, those were choices we made when they were in the thick of it. And there wasn't a promise that things were going to change. And we had to, we made the choice to not be bitter, bitter. Do we struggle with it still? Sure. Did we still struggle with it as they walked out of that? Of course. But, um, you know, if you're listening and going, well, good for them, their husbands are changing and I don't have any hope, you know, or my wife, is doing these things and there's no hope for change. You, you change yourself. That's all you have control over. You can choose to be, to get rid of bitterness, no matter who around you changes. And that is what the decision has to be about. It cannot be about them. It has to be about you. And so 
you know, one of the things that you learn is that when you start, start the day, the thing that gets rid of the flesh is the fruits of the spirit. And the way the fruits of the spirit play out is when you fill yourself with the spirit. And Alyssa talked about that briefly in the identity one where you start your day and just say, okay, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fully lives within us if we're believers. And so you think about Jeff and all those years that the Holy Spirit was maybe just, he, he didn't go anywhere, but Jeff wasn't stirring him up. And so we have to stir up the spirit to push out the flesh. And that in that time you ask God, and sometimes it's a physical visualization of plucking out these roots. And some roots are so deep and so intertwined to our bones. You just have to have the Holy Spirit come in and kill them piece by piece by piece. Because I, I live that out. I have some very deep roots that I still deal with. Um, and they play themselves out in really ugly ways sometimes. But the Bible and, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that's your answer. That's how you get rid of bitterness. You can't do it on your own. You do need community that will speak truth to you. Um, there's lots of scripture that talks about getting rid of um, the the um, bitter roots. And Brian, what was the one that you had said? That is the Hebrews, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15? Yeah. Hebrews 12, 15. Okay, yeah. And if, then uh, Ephesians four thirty one and 32. Yes, I have both of those written down. Look at us. Well, I mean, they're in the Bible, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not your original thought. No. <laughs> um, but, you know, God God plucks us up and out of the root of, of the grasp of bitterness. God is there to do that tenderly and mercifully. We just have to cry out to him in the moment. And that takes some humility. And it's really crazy. And tell me if this was the case for you, Alyssa. As soon as the words left my mouth, I was terrified to say them. Like you said, I didn't expect there would be change. But the weight like of the freedom was mine. And again, we'll talk about that with forgiveness, that me letting that go was actually a bigger gift to me than it was to him. Because bitterness is heavy, awful. Mm-hmm. I was going yeah. to say... Um, you know, we have a corny analogy, but I sure do like it, and it, it fits definitely fits my life when it comes to, you know, not being agitated. You know, you have a gallon of milk, and you have chocolate syrup, and you're going to make chocolate milk, and you pour the chocolate syrup into the gallon of milk. The chocolate syrup in this analogy is the Holy Spirit. So you pour it in there, and you just put the gallon of milk on the counter. That chocolate syrup's going to drop to the bottom, and it's just going to sit there, and you could probably get up the next morning and not agitate it and pour out, and it's just going to be regular milk. It won't, there won't be any chocolate in the top of that milk gallon of milk. So you've got to agitate it, and you got to agitate it in the morning, and you get your chocolate milk if you drink it in the morning. Maybe a bad example at night. <laughs> after a workout. After a work, There you go, after a workout. That's good. Uh, but then the next day, after the next workout, what do you got to do? you got to agitate it again because it's all settled back down and that's just a great analogy for me. And so what is agitation? And, and that's your own personal discovery. Um, agitation definitely involves community. Um, one of the big arguments Lisa and I had is I love Christian. I love music. And so I love Christian music and it's me. That's how I commune with God is listening to music. Um, she likes to read her Bible in this last year. I realized that I wasn't totally accurate with that. And, um, I don't want to say it's right or wrong, but it is a whole lot better getting into scripture. I do think that listening to Christian music is a good agitation. Um, but you, the, the biggest thing to have is, is community. So you've got to agitate your life a little bit. 
And that's what that's going to take. Yeah, I would say I really focused on what I deserved and Brian wasn't meeting my needs. So therefore I made a slew of agreements in lies saying, I deserve this. I don't need the, you know, whatever. And when I really focus my eyes back on the Lord, it was like, oh, really, what do you deserve? <laughs> I don't mm. deserve anything. Jesus died for me and all of my crap. And who and and so it really, now I can look back and go, man, I'm so humble. And that helped me to just put life into perspective and not give so much ammo and wait to what Satan can do in my life. Because if I'm not looking at what I deserve, rather what God has done for me, then it changes my perspective in the same way. Um, we had something recent come up with Brian and I, a huge trial, and it was like, God, give me eyes to see Brian for the way you see him, because I don't have any, like, I just, I couldn't see him the way that I had previously. So it was like, God, give me eyes to see him the way you see him, and then allow me to affirm him in things that he does well. And so you just start kind of walk, starting to walk these things out. And like I've said this before, if you can't come up with anything, it's like, um, you know, thank you for working hard for our family or whatever it is. Just, just affirm him in the way you know God sees him. And that helps with this process of being able to move forward one step in front of the other. And God will honor that obedience and you trying. It's not like anything you do out of love and obedience is not going to come back void. Um, when we speak truth over our husbands, you're blessing them and God's going to honor that. So I feel like those are the little steps that um, that I continue to look at. And it's really important and it helps a ton. Yeah, I think that's um, Ephesians 4.31-32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And I think that's as you were talking. I'm like, that's exactly what that verse is, is pointing to. You just have to accept the the love that God has for you, and when you do that, it plays out in your relationships around you, and then you don't have bitterness. Yeah, God doesn't. And and that's the thing. If you are feeling bitter, surround yourself like we've been talking about with good people who will pray with you, fight with you, not only fight on behalf, like go to, go to the Lord with you and pray, um, for what you need to get through these things. And that's, what's been awesome is when you have real, honest, authentic, for me, women who love the Lord, they come alongside me and fight and help me, not only help me to see my husband the way I should, but also see myself for what it is. And in that situation, it's like, sister, get rid of your pride because you, you know, it's like, <laughs> whoa there. Um, because I was so prideful and, um, it was awesome to let that stuff go. So kind of going through all this, um, and reading through bitterness and trying to come up with stuff for this, I ran across, uh, eight steps to overcome bitterness. Nice. And so I'll just read those off cause I thought they were interesting. Yeah. The first one is let go of grudges. The second one is identify your expectations. The third one is evaluate your expectations. The fourth one is adjust your expectations. The fifth one is forgive. 
The sixth one is understand that bitterness and resentment will destroy you. The seventh one is you have to choose to forgive. And then the eighth one is increase understanding and empathy. Wow. And that's something you have to do every single day. You think about getting rid of freaking weeds in West Texas stickers. You can't just pull it up. They don't just go away. They sometimes they drop pollen and create more weeds or sometimes you didn't get the whole thing. So every day you have to go back diligently and go through those steps every single day. Yeah, sometimes the, with every thought. The good news though is you're pulling up the little weeds. You're not pulling out tree stumps. That's right. Get them while they're little. <laughs> Once you get them, <laughs> when you get them when they're small, it's a lot easier than but huge I, I, trees. I like the, the, there was three things on expectations. Yeah, that was good. Is identify those expectations. A lot of times those expectations that we have that are not being met are not realistic. Mm-hmm. And so that's, uh, that's where it goes, evaluate and adjust your expectations. But that takes ownership yeah. and, and being real with yourself. And I know you and I were not. We were believing all the lies. So that's really a healthy, the healthy way to do it. Nice. Very good, guys. I love cool. that. Thank that you for good. sharing your hearts there. We do want to hear from you guys. Um, we can't hardly handle all the emails we get. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, marriageunfiltered at yahoo.com. If you want to email us or you can reach us at the Marriage Unfiltered podcast, you can always drop us a DM there. But um, we hope you'll follow us there, too, if you if you don't already. But we want to thank you guys once again for listening and being faithful. Please share this with your friends. We don't really care about how many people we're reaching as far as numbers, except that we want people to hear truth. And so if you're enjoying this, please tell your friends. Um, Go on and rate us and review us and follow us and subscribe and download. Watch out. (laughs) All the the things. hot mess we are y'all do so know don't necessarily assume that stonegate agrees with what we're saying true story Truth. preach mm-hmm. <laughs> that's good that? okay. that's great great peace out <laughs>